Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. Many of you have likely heard the expression, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. There's another expression, one in response to the first one, which goes, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. There are positives about both, as well as negatives about both, if you understand or apply them in a way that I believe is not proper. So we're going to look at all of that and apply it specifically to starting a side hustle or some other new business venture. But you can use that as a case study for applying what I have to say about these two statements to many other things, a few of which we may get into if time permits. But before we start all of that, I want to ask you all to, that if you like Theana Money, you tell your friends about the podcast, spread the word, follow Theana Money on social media. I just recently finally got Theana Money's uh, Twitter back, the uh, original Theana Money Twitter back that I got locked out of back in September. So I'm sure Elon Musk buying Twitter had something to do with that doing research into trying to figure out how to get that back led me down a rabbit hole that included some reddit subreddit where people were more or less just saying like yeah this is an issue where it won't let you get your account back it won't i don't know y'all don't need to know all this basically people in reddit before elon bought twitter were saying the only way all of us are ever getting our accounts back up is probably if elon buys twitter and i was like even if he does we'll actually fix it and he did and it did fix it so i have it back now Go follow at Theana Money on Twitter if you haven't already. And also, I have a link in the description of these episodes to check out Theana Money's merch on a bonfire. I don't want to sell ministry because of the Dorian principle, but I will sell goods, which includes making a little bit of side money on bonfire. I don't make much. I've hardly made anything off of it, but if you like any of the shirts there, it does send a little bit of money to me, which you can help uh, pay for the various things related to Theana Money. So I don't know who was the first person to say, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. It has been said so many times, I'm not sure if anyone has any idea who was the first to say it. Regardless of who said it first, I think we understand what it means though. If something is worth doing, don't give it a half-hearted effort, or a half-different word effort, if you prefer that way of wording it. Do it to the best of your abilities. In due time, do it above your current abilities. Do it above what your current abilities would allow by honing the skills involved with the it in the statement. The it can be whatever. Since Theana Money is a theonomic economics podcast, we will apply it specifically to side hustles and the like, but it could apply to learning piano, 
learning how to fix your house yourself so you don't have to pay others to do it for you or growing some of your own food or fishing or building your own furniture or becoming a good preacher or learning a lot about scripture or some specific aspect of theology or a seemingly endless list of other things. If you're going to take up fishing as a way to spend some time with your sons, have fun with them and teach them some skills all at the same time, then learn how to fish well. If it's worth the time to fish, it's worth fishing well. Fishing with your sons might make this especially important because if you're bad and rarely catch anything, you might make them hate fishing because they think it's boring and nothing ever happens. Also, that's where my personal experience, buying those little bells and putting them on your fishing rods is the best. Just have your fishing rod leaned up against something or with a stake in the ground and put a bell on it and you just read a book while you're fishing and just wait for the bell to go off. I'm sure some of my real serious fishermen listeners probably just got mad at me, but y'all, no, just those bells were such a lifesaver. I haven't gone fishing much since I was a teenager, but when I used to go fishing more as a teenager, I would cheat and use the bells. Just some honesty there. Uh, One last thing on that before I go on. Um, there's a specific type of bell that one of my older brother's friends liked to use. And so when that specific bell dinged, he knew it was his fishing rod that just got a bite. He didn't know my brother had a second one of that specific type of bell and he put it in his pocket and every once in a while walk by the guy's fishing rod and ding it and the guy would think he got a bite. It was hilarious. I'm trailing off now. I need to get back to the topic. At your job, do it to the best of your abilities. Try to become the best at the company, at whatever you do for them. Not to hold it above the heads of your co-workers that you're better than them, but to honor God with your work, working unto him and not ultimately for men. And because it might get you some pay raises and or bonuses to help you better take care of your family or to help you prepare to one day have a family if you're still single, you know, save up for a down payment on a house or have some money in the bank to do other things that cost money, like, I don't know, a car breaks down or repairs in the house, things like that. If it is worth the time investment and the opportunity cost of whatever else you could do with that time or resources, then do it well. If you do it poorly out of laziness, then you are wasting that time and whatever money you put into it. And there are areas where that statement I just said can be convicting for me, as well as I hope some of you listeners. This is especially true for us as Christians because we should be known as hard workers. Our work reflects our Father, our Savior, and the Spirit who indwells us. And thus, when we work poorly, it reflects poorly on our God. Let the world hate us for the truth, not because we're lazy. While there are many good things about this expression, and it is one that more of us should take to heart, especially in our age where laziness and taking things the easy way out prevails, there can be some problems with it, if not understood properly. Some people might take this idea too far, so far that they give up when they can't do something well, instead of persevering and perhaps mastering it in due time. They think that because they can't do it well right now, they will never do it well, so they should give up now. 
or they don't think that far ahead and just think they're not doing it well right here, right now. So they should never attempt to do it since apparently it is not worth doing as long as it cannot be done well. Contrasted with those who give up on something that they have been attempting to do because they do not think they will ever be good enough to do it well, are those who never even make the first attempt because they believe they will never be good enough to do it well. The two groups are similar, the difference being that one gives up after several failed attempts and the other never makes a first attempt. But both give up because this expression, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, has made the perfect become the enemy of the good. That is the potential problem with misunderstanding this statement. It makes the perfect become the enemy of the good. You never do something long enough to become good at it for fear of never being able to do it perfectly. That is where the statement, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, if correctly understood, can help correct some of the potential pitfalls with the first statement. Before continuing on, I want to say one more thing about the first statement. Obeying this statement, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, could mean that you do not take on too many things at once. Because if you try your best at too many things at once, more things than you have the capacity for, then you will not give them all your best, no matter how hard you try. You simply cannot give all of them the time required to do them well and still spend necessary time with your family, get adequate sleep, be involved in your local church, etc. So now that we have looked at if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, let's look into if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Same with the previous statement. I'm not sure who said if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly first. It sounds like something Darren Doan might say, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was the first to say it. The two statements might seem like they contradict one another, but if you understand them how I just explained them, they do not. In fact, they complement one another and the latter, the one about doing it poorly, is able to strengthen the former, the one about doing it well. So how do we apply these two statements at the same time? complementing one another instead of contradicting one another to side hustles, business ventures, and other areas of our lives. It is because the statement, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, does not mean, does not mean that we are okay with doing poor, shoddy work and never working to become better. Yes, some may use this expression to justify their laziness and doing garbage work, but that is not what this statement means if we understand it in what I believe is the proper and God-honoring way. Rather, I believe the proper and God-honoring way to understand this is to remember that rarely will you be good at something on your first attempt unless you have done something similar before. And calling it a first attempt in that instance sounds almost like cheating. Usually your first attempt at something new is, at the very least, not good, if not downright bad, maybe even awful. Sure, you occasionally run across something you are a natural with, but even then, your first attempt, no matter how decent, is not as good as your thousandth attempt, or at least it shouldn't be, if you are working on developing your skill with 
whatever it is. So if I can reword the statement, it would go something like, if it's worth doing, it is worth making a first attempt at it, no matter how bad that first attempt is. Or if I keep the original wording but add several more words to it, it would go something like, if it's worth doing, it is worth doing poorly on the first few tries until you get the hang of it. Whichever one of those ways of wording that you like better, or your own way of wording the same idea, it shows that it should never be used as an excuse for laziness or lack of skill. But because you don't have much skill with something you are making your first attempt at, but you should develop your skill with it over time. And you should not let that stop you from making a first attempt, no matter how poor your first attempt or your first several attempts are. So if something is worth doing, it is worth doing your first few poor attempts at it and continuing to do it and improve your skill until you are proficient and able to do it very well. I want to take a moment to read Exodus 31, the first 11 verses of that chapter. There in the Legacy Standard Bible, it reads, And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and discernment and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to devise artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for setting and in the carving of wood in order for him to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the heart of all who are wise at heart, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded you the tent of meeting, and the ark of testimony, and the mercy seat upon it, and all the furniture of the tent, the table also and its utensils, and the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering also with all its utensils, and the laver and its stand, and woven garments as well, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and for garments and the garments of his sons, with which to minister as priests, the anointing oil also, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. They shall make them according to all that I have commanded you. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to rip this passage out of context to make it fit the theme of this episode. I'm not going to, like, ignore the original context of the passage and just talk about skill and all of this. But this passage does say that the Holy Spirit filled Bezalel and Oholiab with great skill and knowledge and various kinds of craftsmanship. And these skills were used to make things pertaining to the tabernacle and later the temple. Now, we do not know much about Bezalel and Oholiab, and we know even less about their fathers, Uri and Ahizamak. But I'm going to do a bit of what I believe to be very safe speculation. We always want to be careful when we speculate about a passage, but this, I believe, is very safe speculation here because it is natural that this would be the case. 
These men and the others who helped make the tabernacle and the items pertaining to it developed skills by the blessing of God and their diligent labor became so good that God used them to build things that would be used to worship him for centuries to come. I doubt that Bezalel, the first time he worked with silver and bronze with his father Uri, was as good as he was when he was making the things for the tabernacle. He likely developed his skill over time like everyone else, and God blessed his skill, and the Holy Spirit filled him with knowledge to be so proficient that he could make the things pertaining to the tabernacle. The reason I said we're not familiar with him and even less so with his father is because I would assume that these types of things he's described as doing for the sake of the tabernacle were kind of like family trade. Maybe he was some kind of jeweler and he and his father and grandfather before him made jewelry and gold and silver and bronze and his father trained him in doing that. We don't know for sure, but however it came about, he had some sort of skill with these things that had been blessed by God to be a very professional level of skill, but no doubt he had to develop that. I doubt that Bezalel was a farmer and all of a sudden God just like zapped him with knowledge and being a goldsmith or something ridiculous like that. I mean, God could do that if he wanted to, but typically God seems to work through means, not zapping people to the ends and skipping the means. In other words, Bezalel as a young child making wood carvings or smithing gold items with his father for the first time was probably not great at what he did, but he developed his skills and God blessed his efforts because God had foreordained to use this man to build some of the items for his tabernacle. And I'm not saying God will do that for, with you, but that even those who did great things in the Old Testament typically had to develop their skill as well, like any other person. And sure, sometimes there is a Samson who has great strength that God just blesses him with. And he probably does next to nothing to develop that skill on his own. I don't know how often Samson worked out. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But we don't see things like that very often. David developed his fighting skills, warding predators off his sheep. He honed them in battle after defeating Goliath. And he showed what a fearsome warrior he was in his battles as an adult. God providentially trained David with a lion and a bear to develop his skills as a warrior before breaking him against armies of Philistine soldiers. God gave David those skills, but in part did it by giving David opportunities to hone his skills and talents. You know, we don't know if David had to ward off some smaller predators before that first lion or bear, but if he did, I'm sure fighting off a wild dog or something from his sheep helped David know what he was doing a little bit better than fighting a lion. Like, you know, he kind of worked his way up in his skill and being a warrior. And there are many other examples that could be given all throughout scripture. Joseph, the legal father of Jesus, of course, we know not the biological father of Jesus, not Joseph the patriarch, but Joseph the legal father of Jesus. He was a carpenter, which could mean he was a mason, because the Greek word for carpenter in the first century was a little bit more broad than what we today think of when we say carpenter. Whether Joseph worked with 
wood or stone or both, whether he was a carpenter in the modern sense or a mason or both. I doubt he was born with the skill he had when Jesus and his half-siblings were children. Joseph would have had to learn those skills from his father and practice them until he became proficient enough to make a living off of it, just like everyone else. The same was true for Paul with making tents. Pharisees had skills outside of knowing and teaching the Old Testament from which they could make a living. And Paul used his work that he learned before his conversion while on his missionary journeys to make money and not burden the churches he planted by requiring them to take care of him. I'm sure Paul on his second missionary journey was a lot better at making tents than 13-year-old Paul was. He probably wasn't very great the first time he tried to make a tent and became very good over time. For all we know, Paul's faith led him to try to make some of the best tents around and who knows, maybe Paul was part of some cities around Asia Minor having this concept that Christians make the best tents because Paul and if I remember right also Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. Maybe they were going around making the best tents because they wanted to honor God with their work. And they developed that skill over time. They said if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And um, even just the high quality of the tents that these three made could have been a testimony to the gospel because the pagans around them were thinking, I don't know what's the deal with this Christianity, but man, they do make good tents. So once again, if something is worth doing, it is worth doing your first few poor attempts at it and continuing to do it and improve your skill until you are proficient and able to do it well. That is nice to say, but how do we make that turn from an ivory tower platitude into something that can actually affect our day-to-day lives? Let's take this concept to starting side hustles and businesses. You probably will not be a professional at your first try at your side hustle whatever side hustle it is. Maybe you do some carpentry or woodworking as a hobby and you want to start selling stuff you make so that your hobby can be a source of extra income. You might struggle at first as you switch from whatever random things you made for yourself when you did it as a hobby to the things you make for others to sell online or at some local show or something like that. Or maybe your past experience in woodworking makes that part easy, but you've never done sales before, so actually selling your stuff is hard for you. Or maybe accounting isn't your thing and you struggle figuring out how to account for this extra income when filing your taxes the next year. Not that you would need to worry about that if our nation followed the taxation model I laid out in the recent episode titled Biblical Taxes that you should check out if you have not done so already. But if it is worth starting a side hustle doing woodworking, then it is worth doing it, even if you're bad at first. Now, hopefully your products are good and get even better with time. Otherwise, you might struggle to keep the business going long enough to get good. Over time, you can perfect every aspect of the business until you are fulfilling the other statement. If it is worth doing, it is worth doing well. If you're going to start a side hustle, at the beginning, 
Remember that if it is worth doing, it is worth doing that initial first step, no matter how rocky that step is. Since you plan to market this good or service, you should make those first steps private as much as possible and hone your skills before you initially offer it to the market. Even better, your side hustle could be something that you're already good at, like someone who already had woodworking as a hobby instead of someone who had never cut wood with any more attention to detail than is required in splitting firewood, all of a sudden decides that he wants to do professional woodworking. I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm just saying the latter guy probably needs to spend a little bit more time practicing before he starts selling the stuff he makes. You don't want to try to sell carvings that look like they were done with a butter knife. Paintings that look like they were made for a kindergarten art project. Or a book of poetry that sounds like English wasn't the author's first language and still has not quite gotten the grasp of the English language. Actually, if you're that bad, you might want to consider something else for your side hustle. Just saying. But if you're determined and you embrace both statements explained in this episode, your first couple attempts can be that bad. And before long, you're so good that you're able to sell your good or service for some extra income and maybe eventually make it your primary source of income. Or we can apply this to other things as well. Maybe you grew up rarely, if ever, helping your father fix things around the house. And now that you own your own house, a lot of things that would be simple for other guys are more difficult for you. The gas line to your range doesn't have a proper seal and you need to replace it. Or your drain for a sink starts leaking and you need to replace a PVC coupling between uh, two pieces of pipe. Or your concrete driveway almost passes for asphalt from a distance and you need to learn how to use a pressure washer. Your first time doing these things and others might involve spending two hours on YouTube or calling your dad for advice and an hour doing a job that should have taken 30 minutes total. Instead of complaining about it, remember that if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And that you are also learning so that next time you will do it a lot faster and eventually you'll be doing it well and maybe teaching your sons how to do it just as well as you, if not better. I can relate to learning how to fix things on your house. My dad taught me quite a bit growing up, but things have come up on my own house that either never needed fixed when I was growing up or my dad did it on his own without me. And when he lives over four hours away, I do a lot of calling him for advice and then fixing things myself. For example, my dad taught me how to work with PVC, but I don't think I ever had dealt with PEX before my water pressure tank went out a couple years ago. My dad drove down to help me replace it, and $700 later, I had a new water pressure tank and switch and also had PEX tools. PEX tools that I won't need to buy next time I do some work with PEX in my house. And by the way, Sharkbite PEX tools were more expensive than I expected them to be. But also that stuff's way more convenient than PVC and like I just said. Next time I do some work in PEX around the house, I have the tools. It'll be a lot cheaper next time. When something goes wrong on my house or my car and I fix it myself, I try to focus more on knowing how to fix it now 
that now that I fixed this once, I should be able to do it again. Or being better than before if it wasn't my first time fixing whatever it was that needed repaired. I try to spend more time focusing on that than I do on the money and time spent on fixing whatever it is that broke. Otherwise, that would just cause me to get frustrated and perhaps sinfully grumble about God's providence. If it's worth doing, like a necessary repair on your house or car that you want to do yourself, it is worth doing poorly as you figure out what you are doing and then do it well once you've had to do it a few times and fix whatever went wrong a few times. And hopefully that first attempt is not done so poorly that you make it worse, but poorly as in it took longer than it should have and while it did properly get the job done, it was not done the best it could have been, but next time you'll do it even better and the third time that thing breaks, you're a pro at it. The concept that if something is worth doing, is worth doing no matter how bad you are at first until you get the hang of it and then you're doing it so well with time and practice, it can apply to many, many things. I will give one last example before we close. If you're an immature Christian, but you know that reading the Bible is worth it and a vital part of becoming a mature Christian, then it is worth it to read the Bible, no matter how much you don't know how to pronounce some of the names or come away with more questions than verses you read or get confused at how things are worded sometimes or occasionally feel worse instead of better after reading scripture because of conviction over sin the Holy Spirit used the passages you read to call out in your life. As you read more scripture and get a better grasp of the Bible as a whole and learn good hermeneutics, then get some practice in with your new understanding of hermeneutics, you will get much better at reading the Bible. You will not stop coming away from Scripture with questions. You will always come away from Scripture with questions because no human, at least not on this side of glory and maybe even not on the other, will fully understand everything in Scripture. But your questions will probably over time get deeper and some of them will be about how to make this passage real in your life or our current world with fewer of them being about just figuring out what the passage means at least on a more superficial level on a more surface level so in summary if something you've never done before is worth doing it's worth taking those first few really bad stabs at it until you get better and one day you are a professional at whatever it is. So don't be afraid to start because you won't be good at first. And don't feel pressured to quit because you don't think you will ever be good. If whatever it is, is important enough to dedicate your time to it, then do it until you're good at it, honoring God with your labor. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfied.
Love is sweet, oh you satisfy.